It's time for building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends from tabletop game design. The fun forever is at the end of the episode. That's when it technically ends. Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is Monday, November twenty third, and you're listening to episode four hundred and forty three. I am your host, Jason, as per usual, and joined this week by my good pal Julio. How's it going, buddy? Hey, Jason. I'm doing well. How about you? Doing, doing all right. Doing all right. You know, things, uh, things get crazy. Things get not crazy. Then things get crazy again. And then, yeah, <laughs> every day, every day is a new adventure with the kids in, in virtual school because I never know what to expect. And uh, it's best just to expect the unexpected is what I've found. So, yeah, yeah, yeah it's it's the new normal. It's the new normal, but. We we're just it's, getting we're just getting used to it, and, and listeners are getting used to us talking about the new normal. So, <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah. So um, for me, at least, uh, one big thing has changed since last time we spoke. I took my professional engineering exam ba- back in October. Yeah. Yeah. You spent yeah. a lot of time studying for that, like a lot, a lot of time. Yeah, I, I started, I think it, it was June since I started, so it was four months, and, you know, I traveled to New York to take that exam, and it was it was an eight-hour exam, um, so it was four hours in the morning, four hours in the afternoon, and after four months, you know, you would think you were prepared, but it was still, it was still a tough <laughs> test. I bet. I mean, eight hours is just, oh, gosh. Yeah. and That's a and long it, time, man. That's a long time. It was yeah. I traveled to New York and and it was a paper based test, so the results are gonna take I think it's six to ten weeks, so I should get the results sometime in December. But right, yeah, nothing, nothing like waiting. Little little Tom <laughs> Petty there. Yeah, waiting but is the it, hardest part. Actually, in this case, waiting is not nearly the hardest part. Clearly, studying and taking an eight hour test was the hardest part. <laughs> yeah, man, it was it was a really stressful time. Because, uh, as the listeners know, uh, my wife is also pregnant, and you know, taking care of her and working from home and studying and then doing whatever else a little time I had, maybe do some design stuff, which I definitely did. Um, but that definitely took a weight off my shoulders after that, at least for a little while. Oh, yeah, because she's she's due in January, and that's gonna change a lot of things. But I just, am just a excited. handful, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and we've been getting ready. We got the baby's room ready, and and I installed two Murphy beds on both our office and the baby's room. You know, to change on the fly if we get any mm-hmm. visitors. Um, yeah, and and speaking of that, we did get a big surprise. Um, we actually got uh, my my mom and my wife's parents. They visited us from Puerto Rico just for over the weekend. It was wow. Yeah, and you know, with everything going on with COVID, they took the test before and after their travels and everything turned out okay. Um so so that was, you know, that was good on them that they did all that and they were like with masks and face shields on the airport and all that. Uh but imagine my surprise, you know, at you know, on a Friday morning and when somebody's ringing the doorbell and I'm like, "What's going on? Is it the delivery guy or something?" And you know, a group of uh, four, uh, five people that we I didn't expect to see it was it was <laughs> quite a, it was it was a fantastic 
time. Of course, it was just for the weekend. So imagine that, just that 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 sense of normalcy of having people that you love yeah. with you, and yeah. then two days later they're gone. Um, but it it was awesome. It was it was for the baby shower type deal. Uh, but they are planning to come, you know, after the baby comes to you know help us out and stuff like that. So I'm definitely gonna appreciate that when that happens. Yeah, that is that is very nice. We certainly had people do that after we had our first kid, and I think a little bit after our second. I think with the second, it was mostly just sending the first kid off uh, uh, to yeah. be with some people so that we could have a little bit of time, you know. Um, but yeah, it's uh it is a it is a game changer, um, and it's really hard. But it's 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 overall it's a it's a good positive thing that I yeah recommend to anyone who wants kids. So. Yeah, like yeah, I'm, 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 we're excited. We're excited. But listeners want to know more about design stuff, like always. Let's bring it back. Let's bring it back. Um, so, of <laughs> course, <laughs> of course, uh, after I finished up my test, that I, I, you know, I jumped back into doing some design stuff, which was funny because uh, before the test, I was obviously not doing anything real design related. I wanted to get everything ready and preparing for my travels and all that. So I was putting all my meetings after the test. So it was actually pretty stressful after my test because I had back, you know, <laughs> meetings every day for like two weeks, um, just catching up with with uh, co-designs and pitches that I was uh, scheduling and stuff like that. So so it was it was it was good at, uh, as well, because obviously it's something that I really love to do. Um, so, so that was, that was definitely nice. So, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's been an odd time for me working on some of this stuff as well. Like trying to, uh, yeah, trying to like go back and forth with some publishers on some different things. And, uh, yeah, I did get, I did get a possible piece of really exciting news on something, um, what you got that I that I can't, I can't talk about it, but uh, well, why are you <laughs> so, mentioning it then? Well, I'm going to mention this. I can mention this. So I, I pitched a game, uh, to a publisher, um, through part of a thing that I'm a part of where I can pitch to this publisher with some other people. Um, and, uh, one of the games they really, really liked, um, and are, uh, right now it's, it's shortlisted, um, that, that there's like, like it's, it's in the top running, um, to likely be a game they'll select. So, nice. um, yeah. And so if they don't, I, it doesn't matter. I mean, like this was still an amazing thing. Um, and, and we're building a good relationship with them, which is really nice. Um, but yeah, to have a game shortlisted and to have them say they feel good about where it's at and, you know, um, that, that just, that feels like a win. Um, and, uh, unfortunately it's a game that I likely will not be able to talk about for a very long time. <laughs> um, but you know, uh, I'm excited enough to be able to say like, it's, it's a big win either way. And it feels, it feels, uh, feels good. Good. Well, I wish you the best on, on that one. So, uh, you know, the, the listeners uh, probably know that, uh, Essen also passed by, uh, back in, was it October? Sure did. Um, and, and that was obviously with everything being online that, that went by fast and I didn't really look at anything that was going on there, but there was actually some, some cool things going on there. Uh, and, and of course with publishers taking pitches before and after the convention, 
and and that was mainly uh it was funny because since i was so preoccupied with the test i didn't really do any any uh, emails or anything but some publishers that i've pitched in the past reached out to me and said you know we have a schedule if you want to pitch something uh go ahead and sign up for for the schedule and that's why i did that after uh my test and and nice. i the, those pitch those pitches went uh fairly well got some interest there and of course they were probably Great. taking dozens if not a couple hundred of pitches <laughs> right uh, right you never know right so so it, that's gonna take a while i mean that's always been the case you gotta wait a lot to get responses but I think now, and I know is I, I know now that it's it's a lot more waiting, which is obviously not good um, for for us that are, are impatient and of course we want to have results fast. So, uh, but but yeah, there there's been some interest there, and I've uh, I've started working on on some new designs as well. Um, I I I'm happy to say that I'm working with uh, Mr. Eric M. Lang on a co-design. Um, it's uh, he, one of the main reasons why I wanted to work with him. And, and you know, he, he after he left CMON, I guess that was about two months ago, he, he wanted to work on co-designs that were more um, mass market or uh, um, intro, um, I guess, what's the word? Um, uh, you know, not... not not blood rage level, not rising sun. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, um, more casual. Casual, yeah. That's kind of a and 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 he reached out and and I'm like, you know, obviously you have a lot of experience, so I definitely wanna wanna learn from you on this process. Um, and one of the, and I was because you you and I worked on in the past, and you know how I am. I am definitely the type of person that likes to work fast, and uh. I don't like to to wait on 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 people because I don't like it's for true. people to wait on, to wait on for people to wait on me either. So that's one of the things that I said and obviously he does this for a living. So he does design full time and and I I I'm so far I'm I've been very impressed and big shocker there uh because it's been it's been you know we've been meeting every week and we're always got something uh, new that we've worked on throughout the week and trying it for this week and stuff like that. And and I we got something going on that's pretty cool. So hopefully I'll get to talk about that in the future. But um, well, that's I also got fantastic. A, yeah, yeah. And I, I've got a new design as well called Undead Company. Um, and and that one's uh, fairly new, but it's it's a uh, it's pretty cool. So basically. Um, and I, this is not going to be a pitch because I like to do the workshopping later in the episode. But uh, in Undead Company, uh, players are uh, necromancers and they are uh, resurrecting falling adventurers that have died in a dungeon. And you're trying to give them a second chance and going through that dungeon again and, and completing it. Um, nice. so, so it's a fairly straightforward, you're kind of gathering energy from, from the bodies and then using that energy to re resurrect them and using their memories to recreate the dungeon, which is the scoring of the game. Um, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it. So hopefully that'll, that'll go uh, somewhere. Uh, but that's, uh, the new thing I've been working on lately. 
Awesome. Awesome. That's great. And I mean, Eric did butter you up a bit when he predicted your Spiel de Jar win. So uh, in the next few years. So uh, yeah, no pressure. I, on I that, read right. that and thought any other person in the world who heard Eric Lang say that to them would be like, I'm in awe. But you were probably like, oh, no. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's obviously it's one of those things that you can't really work towards that. It's it's one of those right, things right, right. that I, I'm definitely it's it's a high bar. It's a high bar. And and, you know, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. And uh, honestly, I don't think it's going to happen <laughs> because obviously I know what's what's out there. But you never right, know, right. you know, maybe maybe not five years, maybe 20 years. That's uh, hopefully yeah. I'll be still doing that 20 years from now. You got to well, set think, your, your expectations, right? Yeah. I think when you look at the type of games that that qualify for that, you know, the, the ones that they get mentioned, um, you definitely check some really interesting boxes on that. And I mean that in a good like checking boxes doesn't sound good, but like I mean that in a really positive way, like your designs are different in a way that makes them stand out very positively. And I think that that is many times a good indicator of the type of games that, you know, are noticed by that. But but no, I I wanted to just just uh, tease you a little about that because I know that you were talking about how everybody's like, oh, Julio, Julio, Julio. And you're like, I don't even have any games out yet. <laughs> like, uh, you know, like. Well, that's not it, true like, anymore. Not anymore. But I know for a while that was, that's, you were, you felt, I think, kind of like, it sounded like you were living up to the expectations of the stuff you had any like of your prototypes, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and you didn't have yeah. games out yet. And I know you had talked about that when we first came on the show, um, that that was yeah, different but, because that doesn't happen to a lot of people in the way that it happened to you. So, well, I, I mean, obviously it, it wasn't, it's one of those things that uh, Twitter, Facebook, it's always a window, right? Uh, so people show what, you want other people to see and and there's there's obviously a lot of hard work be, behind things um yeah. i you know i had a lot of time in in my hands and and i really enjoyed uh the craft of game design and board game design and and it's something that i haven't stopped for i guess oh, 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 three and a half years now um and and it's something that i don't plan on stopping uh Great. it definitely changed the way i think uh, and, and my designs are, are better for it in a sense. And sometimes maybe, maybe worse as well, because having that experience also kind of puts you in a tunnel sometimes. And, and you want to make sure to break out of that sometimes and, and, and try new things. Um, but, uh, one of the things that, I definitely learned, uh, now that I've got one game out and, and I've got Holy actually coming out next week as uh, well as we are talking this week. Um, and it's about managing your expectations regarding your designs, because it's funny that you say that people saying, Oh, this, this is going to do awesome and all that. Uh, you know, obviously you hear that stuff and you're like, is it, um, because you never know. Right. And, and that's kind of what I wanted to talk about for, for this episode is, is managing your expectations regarding your designs or, or your games after they're published, before they're published, or even right, as their right. prototypes. So I just wanted to bring that forward and 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 see what we can we can uh, talk about on that. I think that's I think that's a great topic, and um, you know, I think my the first thing that pops in my head about that is I know we normally would like go in order here of like let's what from it's an idea, but like just jumping straight to the end is that you can have the perfect game, you can execute it perfectly, you could put it on Kickstarter, you could get it in the right stores. 
And that doesn't mean the game will do well or be well received. Mm-hmm. On the alternative, you could have a game that you expect to not do very well to just kind of be a blip on the radar and be this big breakout blockbuster hit. And like, it can be really difficult to know what game is going to be the game, right? Um, yeah. And, and, and again, it, it, it's, it's not really a 50 50 in, in this case, right? We're talking about, of course, you know, yeah. uh, one to 99, uh, percent. And because even when you have the game, that's a possibility to be an extreme hit, hit and you find the right publisher and it goes to the right channels and distribution and, and it may just be there for two or three weeks and then nobody hears about it anymore. Yep. Um, so, so it's really, it's really, uh, uh, it's really about you managing those expectations regarding, okay, I'm doing this because I believe in it. Now, obviously I've never been the person that really cares sometimes about people's opinions of me, but when it comes to a game design, to something that people are experiencing for themselves is different because while I may have my own opinions of my games, people are definitely going to have their own opinions of my game. And personally, I would say, you know, don't care about what other people think as long as you love it. Right. You know, that's, that's probably not, um, that's the way I'm saying it, but the way it's really experienced is different because these people are obviously going to talk or not about your design uh, after it's published and however what's wrong and what's right. And the way us as humans work, we like to find the little cracks in everything. So even when you have a glass, you know, a glass wall in front of you, that's all clister clear and clean. And there's this little crack on it. That's all you focus on. Right. Um, so while for and and you know this is a I'm kind of like you we're let's let's start at the at the back um at the end here we're talking about a design that's been published and and for me let's say you know let's take control this is kind of not really a postmortem because the game's been out for a little over four months now um and and this is a good one because obviously the game was out in Target. Uh, it's out in Target, and funny enough, I was actually in Barnes and Noble the other day, and the game I saw the game there as well. Oh, cool! So that was a nice surprise, and and I actually went to Target and saw it there because I haven't been to Target in in months. Um, so so it is interesting because that game specifically, it's one of those that is so just so simple, and and the design was simple, and 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 you I couldn't see anything wrong with it. Of course, there were a couple things when I signed it and they addressed those. But um, as the game was released, there were some, some problems that came up uh, regarding maybe the, the production of the game, um, how, how maybe the pieces were not sticking as well as they could have. And, and that was one of those things that, you know, I can't disagree with that. It is kind of weird, especially because my original prototype didn't have that problem. So I didn't really think about it. Um, and, and people, you know, that's the game is, is such a simple game and it's such a great gameplay. And, and a lot of people are focusing on that. And of course, for me as the designer, I'm like, well, you know, it's a, it's a great game. It has, it has this flaw and this flaw can affect the rest of the game. Um, and, and there are still people that are enjoying it a lot. And 
you know, speaking about postmortem margin, your expectations. So I did have my expectations managed, even though people were saying, oh, no, this game's going to do uh, it's going to do great. It's, it's it's such a great design, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I'm like, you know, I'm still going to see Juries out and how it's going to go. And and to tell you the truth, I got my my first royalty check on it. And, and you know, uh, I, for a game that's out in Target and Barnes & Noble, it makes a difference. So so the game is definitely selling well, and especially because of the audience it's it's bringing forward. And the audience that it's bringing forward is not the people on BoardGameGeek, um, which right, is obviously right. what we see, right? That's the people that are very vocal there and, and how they think about uh, the, the, the games and all that. And some people are positive, some people are negative. Uh, yep. So... I manage my expectations in the sense of okay, I think it's gonna do well, but I don't, I may, I don't think it may not do super awesome, and and I think it it went over my expectations on that, so so that was definitely for my first design, and and I think it still has legs uh, for sure, especially now going into the holidays, um, so so that's uh, the first one that I can think okay. I think I think I managed my expectations well on this one because I did well looking for the right publisher, and and doing the right uh, um, iteration and design on it before pitching it and all that. Uh, so so that's definitely uh, one way to look at it at least for games that have been you know published at this point. How about you? Yeah, I think so. A couple things came to mind on that. One with published games, you know, I feel like. Every single published game I have, I look back at that game and I think I would have done this one thing differently if I designed this now, right? Um, and at first that used to bother me um, because you want your games to be perfect, right? You want your games to be like, you want them to, to be set free into the wild and just fly like a dove, right? And just be like perfect, <laughs> maybe like a majestic eagle or something, right? But anyways, but but I, what I kind of taught myself was that if, if I look back at a game that I've done and I say that game is perfect, um, two things bother me about that. One, where am I going to go from there? Because I've designed what I think is the perfect game, which is like, which also I don't think exists. But, um, but two, if I'm looking at a game and saying, I would change these things about the game. I just think, well, it's because I'm a better designer now, right? Because I'm, I know more. Or because a publisher made a decision that I wasn't super jazzed about. Um, and sometimes even the publisher then says, you know, that wasn't the best decision. Um, you know, case in point, I think I can talk about um, uh, is with Unreal Estate. I love the game. I love how it turned out. Um, but there is a card um, that that we let slip through the cracks in there. Um, that's just a, it's an additional card you can put in um, called the Dark Castle. And it's uh, you don't need to play with it, but it's one of like the bonus cards you can play with. Um, and if you play with it as written, it makes the game not fun. Um, not every time, but a lot of times we've errated the card. Um, and, you know, we've also just told people like, hey, yeah, you may not like I just don't use the card. And, you know, Mark in, in the people we know who play the game, just don't use the card. And it's not a big deal. It doesn't detra detract from the game. Um, but when I go on to BGG and I see feedback where people are like this card's awful, like and like the best thing I can say is don't use it. <laughs> just don't play with it it's fine you know i mean this is something mark and i have talked about publicly not on the show but you know it was you you put in a lot of extra power cards um you test as many you know you test them as best you can but sometimes sometimes something slips through the crack right 
Um, yeah. And it happens. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's funny that you, that you say that because that's, you know, that's one of the, you know, secrets with, with my designs is that it's not lo- just for me about language independent designs. It's really about not meddling with, with all that text that really messes up the, the, the core of the game. Right. <laughs> in, in a sense, uh, I, I, you know, I, I shy away from it. Uh, but at the same time, it's not because is is I'm not good at it. It's because it is difficult to design around. It is, so, it so- is. <laughs> especially when it comes to balance. Um, the nice thing is, I always figure for like when you're talking about like additional bonus cards that you can use if you want to, like to like change the gameplay or variant rules. You know, those if those are a little looser, I think that's okay, right? Because it's not the core game works. This is an optional way to play. And I'm sure there are some people that use that card and are like, oh, I love, I love the chaos this causes, which was the actual, the idea of the card was it caused a lot of chaos. It just turns out that in most situations, that chaos is less fun than if it wasn't there. Right. Um, you know, but there's other cards in the game that I'm not as, I'm like, oh, this card's okay. And then I hear people say, this is my favorite card when it comes up. And I'm like, wow, like that's awesome. But with that, the, the other thing that makes me think of that I wanted to say was you talk about manager, managing the expectations of what what people are going to think about the game. And one of the things that taught me this more than anything um, wasn't the people on Board Game Geek complaining about something or the, you know, the fact that a game sells a bunch because it's a good game that people like. And well, maybe it's not the Board Game Geek crowd, right? It still sells well. Mm-hmm. And where I learned that was, was going to Unpub. And this is something I mentioned on the show before, but really... The first time I went to Unpub, I brought several games. I think I brought two or three games um, of different levels. You know, some were party games, some were a little heavier games, for as heavy as I design. Um, but what I noticed was the feedback that I got on the heavy games in Unpub a lot of times wasn't as good, uh, and the feedback I got on the party games was way better. But then I would take the party game to the designers and play that, and the feedback wouldn't be as good. And then I'd play the heavier game and the feedback (laughs) would be better. And what I found was that was just a bit about knowing your audience, right? And understanding that different people are looking for different games and that when you're designing and you're playtesting, spotting that is helpful. But when you're doing a postmortem on your game, it's critical that you realize that and are comfortable with that because not every game is for everyone. Not every game should be for everyone. And that's okay. You know, uh, Lauren Woolsey was on last week and she mentioned, um, you know, thinking about not every game being for every designer. I'm sorry, not every game being for every gamer. And, you know, we joke that when you make a game for every gamer, you end up with apples to apples or cards against humanity, right? Because you're you're working to the, um, you know, to the easiest place for everyone to access. And you're looking for the game that's, um, I don't like to use the term lowest common denominator because it sounds demeaning, but it is, there's, there's a point where everyone lines up where, you know, it'll probably play with everyone. Um, but is that the game you want to design, you know? Yeah. And it's interesting, uh, that you say that because even after a postmortem on a, on a game and you think, okay, what can I do better for the next one? Even, even to the fact of, okay, when I sign this game, I am not going to do this like I did with this other game. Um, it is, it is difficult to, to do that and address that because there's always going to be something different that's going to come up. Um, and, and like I said, you know, I said 1%, 
of of a game coming out just like you wanted it and and just uh there's always a little something right but even within that one percent after everything's been done perfectly there's still a one of one percent of a one percent of the game really catching fire and and it and it is one of those things that you don't even know that because the the audiences like you're saying the audience for each game is very different um, unless you've got something that's that's wide in appeal, which is obviously very difficult to design, because there's so many so much stuff out there that's already been designed. Um, so so I guess now let's bring it back to to you those prototypes because you're talking about playtesting with a certain crowd and then another and then giving different types of feedback that may not be useful in certain aspects. Uh, so, so let's say, uh, when, when you have, let's start when you have that first idea and you're, you're thinking, okay, this is going to be great. Right. And then you sell play tests and, and, and that's not the case. There's always something wrong. Oh, it's the even, worst, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and even if the, you think it works, there's, there's always going to be something wrong. And even after a game has been published, there's always going to be something a little wrong with it. Uh, right. Even spiel this Jaris game win games, um, you know they they there's something something wrong with them at the end. Some of them don't don't last a, after a little while. Of course, they got that initial boost, but anyway, right. going back no, to, mean, to, to to be fair though, real quick, there are games that have won the spiel where I've played the games and I enjoy the games, but I'm like, does this like like why what 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 made this game win? Like what was it? Because it doesn't do it for me, you know. Um, yeah, you know, and that's yeah, that's like that. But see, that's normal, right? That's the thing. That's normal, like because you're not the people making those judgments, and you're not every other gamer who might love the game, and that's important to remember. Yes, yes, and 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 I think one of the things you mentioned. Uh, earlier and we're just jumping around here uh but reading the the feedback and or you know reviews or comments about your game um even even let's say as a prototype because you got stuff like umpub you know when umpub was in person right last year they had this system where you had your games uploaded into their site and then people will leave feedback um anonymously right in a sense um After playing your yeah. game, they can give you feedback face to face, but also later on they can give you some feedback and even a number based system on certain uh, elements of the game and replayability and fun factor and all that stuff. And you got a one to five, and and some people will give you a two here and then say not my type of game, and and that's kind of all the feedback you get. And and it's really hard to tell people don't don't listen to that feedback, right? Because that's just not in us as humans. We're always looking for ways to better ourselves, but at the same time, as people, we're we're also trying to make better other people, right? <laughs> Which is not the right. best aspect uh, to point out people's flaws, and in this case, it would be for for designs. But uh, it, it is definitely one of those things that you want to have essentially. Uh, in engineering, because it's all fresh, right? You got a sieve. Um, so you got a sieve, and essentially a sieve is kind of like a filter for rocks. 
that uh, grades the rock in different sizes. Uh, so it's got a filter within a filter and every filter gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And you got essentially after so many vibrations, you've got this material divided into big rock all the way out to silt, which is very fine material. Right. right. So, so it's really about managing expectations is having that filter of how much do you want to uh, listen to and how much do you agree with and because people are, are, are entitled to their own opinions mm -hmm. as you, as you are as well. Of course, sometimes it's better to just stay quiet. Right. And, and, and not have that confrontation because that never does it better, especially over the internet. Right. <laughs> right. So one of the, go, go, go ahead. ahead. I would say with Unpub, it's funny because with Unpub, the bad ratings never bothered me because I like, I'm very good at like reading people and watching people like when they're playing my game and like when I, but when I would do that and then get some feedback from them and then I would go look at the, like the digital version of the feedback that some people would leave, I could, I would say nearly every time I could tell who each person was who left the feedback without their name being on there because of the vibe I got from them when they were playing the game. So it made it easy for me to feel kind of bulletproof of that feedback. Cause I was like, yeah, you know what? I saw what you were thinking of the game and that doesn't surprise me. And okay, whatever. Um, but the other piece with that, and this is to save your sanity builders. Listen, mm -hmm. like if you are, you've got a game published and, or a couple of games published or whatever, and you find a reviewer who you like vehemently disagree with in general don't feel bad when they don't like your games because first of all if you disagree with them in general about games good chance they're not going to like yours because you clearly have different tastes and i'm not even talking about the the big professional reviewers there is a reviewer um on bgg i don't know if they have their own like thing or not but they're not like they're not like a big popular reviewer like these ones that everybody knows of right um and they i've seen the review my games i've seen the review other games and their reviews are almost always bad like and i don't mean like a poorly written review i mean like negative they're almost always negative right um and now when i see that person's name i think okay well this is going to be a bad review and i don't really care about their opinion but I want to read it because I'm curious what they say and I'm going to yeah. approach it that way. And then I read it and I have a laugh and I roll my eyes a couple of times and I don't care. Um, and it's now, because, but you bring a good point. Sure. Uh, go ahead. I was going to say, because I know that I don't agree with that person. So while I can, it allows me to read through and say, is there anything in here that's jumping out at me as yes, this is a problem. Um, because the fact is if one reviewer gives you a bad review and even if they hit all the right notes like that are actually wrong with the game those are going to show up in other reviews from people you respect more and people who you align with a little more when it comes to your feelings about games and i think that's cool so yeah no but but now to to your same point it also applies to other people that are listening to that review right so if if this certain reviewer somebody uh uh sees the review and and they're sometimes not in the same page as that as that reviewer they may still try out your game or just look for it for from different reviewers or or other posts about the game right so the important thing and and you've probably heard this and 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 builders have too is that people are talking about your game 
it's really very uh 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 i guess sad when people start stop talking about your game right uh and and that's what happens to 99% of games that come out right they're uh they're on the spotlight for two to six weeks and then you never hear hear of the game again and and of course there's there's a there's a sadness that comes with that because you worked on that game however many months or years ago and it took so long for it to come out and that we're talking about you know one to two years uh three years even for the game to come out it came out it did a splash and then it was it's gone which is something that i kind of at this point i see that happening so much that yeah that's that most games start, that's most yeah, games yeah. you just described most games yeah and 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 that's kind of what i'm expecting of my games uh that's kind of how i set my expectation right because that means that that's the norm if my games do better than that then then i'm a positive there that's a positive for me and even when it happens and my expectations are like that i still you know i i'll still get sad and 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 it'll affect my my sanity a bit because there was so much love and sweat and tears put into this design and now people don't seem to be enjoying it as as you would expect because there's always that right. hope right there's always that hope yeah i mean i think every game we put out we 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 hope either publicly or secretly that that's the game right that like that's the landmark game where everybody says oh julio nazario right he's a, oh yeah that designer right or jason slinger like i love his games like he's a person to watch right um but that doesn't yeah i mean that that's not every game in fact that's not most games and um you know, even if you look at a designer, like you mentioned Eric Lang before, right? You look at a designer like Eric Lang, for every game that you've heard of by Eric Lang, there are several that you haven't ever heard of and you never will. Yeah. Um, yep. And that is what gets lost is we start to think that, oh, everything this person does is gold. And it's it's not, you know, um, it's just not. So, and that's, that's okay. Um, so... Yeah. yeah, and I agree. I, I agree. And it, it is one of those things that it puts a lot of pressure on other designers because of the output, right? Um, because you've got designers like Rainer Kinizia. You know, I'm 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 fast at doing my designs, but this man, he's got twenty some games coming out a year. Uh so Whatever he does to get that kind of output, I definitely want to know. So, uh, um, well, I mean, um, if you designed math problems <laughs> for games, you would do it faster too, man. Uh, nothing against Kinesia. <laughs> He's a great designer, but I mean, like, most of his games feel like some sort of math problem or something, right? I mean, like, like I don't know. Like, I, that's how I feel about a lot of his games. And I, I'm not, I'm not knocking them. I, I enjoy quite a few of his games because I like math problems. But <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, and, I. Deep inside, a lot of people do too, right? Because that's you know, definitely a lot of people like his games more than than not like them, right? But you know, it, it like going back to the output, right? Um, if you if you are able to to publish a hundred games, then we're talking about maybe some of those are definitely going to stand out, right? Um, because that's kind of how the probability works. <laughs> um, so so 
it, it puts this pressure on, on designers that don't have that kind of output and just focus on on these you know more complicated or just they just want to focus on one thing and that's that's just fine but it's important to know that you know you may spend uh maybe uh your time on 10 games or your time on one but the outcome may still be the same for all those games um and will likely be um and i don't want to be a debbie downer but if people were more uh successful and profitable in the board game industry then there will be much many more people in it right um and it has been right. growing for for quite a while and people are getting more into it because there is money in it especially with kickstarter and seeing all that success there um but but there's definitely a, a lot more and i don't want to say failures but uh, a lot more less success on on almost more than 99.9 percent of them um and and it really depends on your definition of, of success as well right because some people just want to have their game published and They may say, you know, I just want to have that first game published and I'm going to be happy. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to say, you know, that's probably not going to be the case because there's always, right. we always want to strive for higher, right? We always want to go higher and, okay, I, now I want to have a second game published and this one's going to do better. I want to have a third game published and this is going to do better than the first because the second didn't do well right um so so there's always because that's if if there were happiness were a destination then then what's the point right and and, and living the whole full life right it's happiness is really about a compass right direction what direction right. do i go to next and let's keep going that way um and i think <laughs> so, i think that's go ahead i was just saying i think that's a really good point um about what is it that, what is your goal and what makes you happy and that's the expectation you have to live to like for me I, as you were saying that i decided not to listen to you and just start daydreaming about what it means to me um but no i mean like you said some people just want to get their game out and will that be enough for them will that make them happy well no of course not because once you get a game out you're like bit by the bug right and then you want to get more games out but like the expectation i try and set for every game that i have published or that i self publish or whatever is that in the end I will have a game that I have that is published and that I am proud of the outcome. And if that box is checked, if those two boxes are checked, I'm happy. And if it sells like hotcakes, awesome. If it doesn't, well, I still check the boxes that I really wanted to check, which was I put something creative into the world and some people are going to get enjoyment out of it. And that's cool. Um, Yeah. You know, so yeah. I I agree. I agree. And and ultimately there's always there's always going to be a little disappointment in every aspect. You may if you have all those check boxes, right? Because like I said, there's always that little piece of you that wants that game to really succeed. Um and and when it doesn't and people give it a one on Board Game Geek and then they give these comments and you're like, "Man, what why are there people like this right so so it, i i can i can tell you don't read the comments but that's not that's not good uh that's not good, a good advice because no we always want to know that people are talking about your game and you want to listen to what people are talking about it and if it's negative yep. you better be ready right well, and i mean you skin. hopefully can learn from it in 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 one way or another 
Um, I think that yeah. one of the th- ways you can manage expectations is this, right? If you are having your game printed by a small to medium publisher, right? One of the things I always ask them is, what what's the minimum and maximum print run you'll probably do, right? And for a lot of small publishers, it is anywhere between 1,000 to 5,000 games. Like that is like... Beyond that, you're dealing with a larger publisher, right? You're then dealing with mass market. Um, And so if you know that if a publisher says, I'm going to print 1,000 copies, 2,000 copies, you know that the game probably is not going to be a blockbuster, right? Um, Because it's not that that game. Now, if they're going to put it on Kickstarter, that's when it gets hard to manage your expectations, right? Because Kickstarter is that wild card. Kickstarter is where all of a sudden somebody sees your silly little game that was going to print 500 copies and now you're printing 10,000 copies because it went nuts, right? Um, And again, that's the 1% of the 1% (laughs) that happens. Um, But I think that's where you really fall the risk of losing that managed expectation, right? Um, Is in that crowdfunding realm where things are just really, really unpredictable. Now, and, and it is funny because you would think that that is not the case, but obviously when you've got something like Frosthaven uh, where you've got, I don't know, 50,000 backers, right? You you really see that in the front in the front of everything and everybody knows about it, so it must happen a lot, right? And, and there's a lot of games that are successful, but if you really compare the metric, and I don't know what this metric is of how many board <laughs> games are released on the year and, and how many do over a thousand percent funding which i don't know that may be the the metric of of being super successful right that if seems fair yeah percent um then then that would probably be really low I, I would definitely be interested in seeing if that metric is available so builders if you know about anything like that let, let us know uh tag us please and, do that would yeah. be interesting to see so yeah, that was I think that was a, a good topic. If yeah, and again, if to builders about. wanna wanna put their their ten cents or a dollar on on this uh, topic, then you're welcome to share with us on on Facebook or Twitter or, or just contact us, and we'll be happy to 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 listen to your feedback and yes. see how we were wrong. And another <laughs> another uh, way you could contact us. So you can go to buildingthegamepodcast.com. And then in the menu bar, there is a cha- there is a page called Discord. And that is a link to a Discord channel uh, that Neil Roberts oh created forever ago. In fact, I was talking to Julio about it earlier. And he said, what? There's a Discord channel? Um, and I said, so the deal was Neil made it. Uh, Rob and I kind of popped in and out of it, but like I had it on my phone. So it was always really in the messages never worked quite right. So it was either getting like spammed with discord messages or like I was not getting any of them. Um, and so I could never get the messages set the way I wanted them. And, uh, and then I just kind of just forgot about it. Well, I started using discord cause I'm working with Jonathan Schaffer on a game and he prefers discord. Uh, so I installed the desktop version of it. Uh, and we started using uh, that and it automatically logged me back into the building the game one. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I can start chatting on this. So I've started chatting on it. So I'm in there uh, every, every weekday. I'll, I'll if you message me, I'll see it and I will respond. If you do it on the weekends, I'll probably see it on Monday. Um, but, yeah, so feel free to come in and have a discussion. We talk about different things. We talk about stuff coming on the show. I give some previews in there. 
Uh, but in addition to that, uh, I've had some builders say like, hey, can you like look at this one thing for me, like this uh, sell sheet or something? And I, and I have. And, you know, I've tried to provide help whenever I could. Um, yeah. And it's just a great place to connect and chat. So by all means, go to the buildinggamepodcast.com. Uh, the page is Discord. There's a link. Click it. It will let you in like magic. And then you'll be part of the group. So, yeah. Julio's going nice. to do that, too. Nice. It's going to be great. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely got to. I got to go and see what, what people have been talking about there. Uh, before you pitch your game, I do want to throw out there that the game I'm working on with Jonathan Schaffer uh, is the platformer game that I was working on that you gave me all the feedback. Oh. On. You said, you said, I feel like you should go into the board, like the roll and write board, like from your platform cards. And I was like, that's the greatest idea ever. And then for two weeks, I tried to make that work and I just, my brain just doesn't work that way. Um, and then I reached out to Jonathan Schaffer because I remembered that his brain works exactly that way. <laughs> and so, uh, so he kind of jumped in and started helping me figure out how to uh, make the board work with the cards. Um, and now we've got a fun prototype that we're, that I think he's actually trying out with some people tonight on TTS. Um, and then we're going to regroup. Oh. So that's exciting. Uh, well, he'll definitely talk more about it um, uh, next time I have him on the show. But I'm super happy with it. He's somebody I haven't co-designed with before. Um, but it was one of those situations where you found the person who fit, like who could solve the problems that you were having and could bring something new to the game uh, in a positive way. So uh, so thank you, Julio, for having that, um, for having those uh, those ideas. <laughs> Uh, because that helped a lot. Of course, anytime, Jason. Any anytime, I can I can give you some some ideas to help better your games. I'm always for it. I'm I'm soon. I'm gonna start charging for them though. <laughs> it's uh, it's the dues you. Or have at to least pay to you gotta start show. giving me some good feedback on mine. Oh, that right, right, right. I try. That's that's kind. Of, that's the games are just that's so. That's the reason awful. why I'm it's on the show. That good feedback too, man. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, no. yeah, and that's that's why I'm trying to bring in work, doing some workshop. I love, here. I love workshopping um, games. So, so, speaking of that, yes. So this one, and I'm gonna start doing a list of the ones that I've already done because obviously <laughs> I have a lot of games, ones but back. I I forget. <laughs> yeah, and that happened last time I think, um, but I don't think I've talked about this one. Uh, this game is called Suminagashi. Uh, I would Suminagashi remember that. Is the <laughs> it's the art of painting on water. Um, so what? <laughs> no, That's water is thing? not a component in this game. Yes, yes. Look it up. It's pretty cool. Um, so, so in 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 essentially in Suminagashi, you're you're using uh, water as a as a method of applying paint and then taking it taking off the paint because obviously it doesn't stick to the water and then applying it to other things to and have the these really cool swirling uh designs on it but in, obviously doing something like that in a game is, is very difficult to come up with but yes. uh, what i essentially did in this game is you are um enhancing the visuals of existing art by using and in this case your paint on water is translucent tiles so translucent tiles in the sense of you've got a red, blue, and yellow tiles, 
and they're as of now um they're the same shape i actually just ordered some new sh uh shapes last week uh not last week yesterday and the shapes are essentially in the shape of an l uh and it's uh if it's little squares we're saying it's a uh, four by four so it's seven squares in an l and essentially how the game works is that you've got your everybody has their own little personal board that has little symbols and and drawings on it on this and it's a grid it's a bigger grid like a 25 by 25 but it's really small squares uh and and how the game works is this game where you call call out a color and everybody takes a one of your little tiles of that color and you overlap on your um canvas board which is that's what the grid is and you're trying to do objectives that have been picked at the start of the game. There's a lot of cards and you pick four. And those are going to be the way you're going to be scoring throughout this game. Uh, and, and essentially what you do and what change makes is the hook here is that you place over symbols and they change color. Because if you have red over blue, it changes to purple. And if you have yellow over red, it changes to orange. So, and most importantly, if you have red over red or blue over blue or yellow over yellow, it disappears. Um, and it's actually a pretty cool mechanism that works uh, really well. Uh, and and I've been playing around with it for a little over a year now. Uh, and there's been some evaluations on it. And, and the main thing with this game was that the tiles were actually... I custom made them so one tile had multiple colors of the translucent tiles on it. And that was, while it was cool, that wow. was the big problem because making that production-wise, it was impossible, essentially. Um, like, Julio's you know, just going to be in his house like, game and, and making all of them. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. It, it was a hard thing to make. And I, you know, I went to Simon and, and, uh, plan b games uh, all the big publishers and they were interested it's just that big that that uh, element was what was the problem so i obviously had that that idea of okay then i gotta address that and and of course changing the problem is that you don't want to have too complicated shapes because if you're just calling a color then people want to work with the same thing, right? This is simultaneous play. Right, and right. you don't want people to take forever, right? And if you have multiple shapes in the same color, that's even more time because the person that's turned it is, they're like, okay, I'm going to use this shape. How does this look? Let me try it out. Okay, no, this doesn't work. Let me change to this one. So it's really about how limited, having those snappy... How limited are the counts of those shapes? Like, or is it like red is always a circle? No, that's the thing. They're all the same shape. So the same it's the shape of an L. Oh, I see. Um, everything so it's like is a okay, okay. It's a, like a stroke of paint. Yep, that make no that makes sense. Yeah, now but I it, get you. it but it is a, a good shape because it actually uh you know, you can make a lot of different little shapes with them as you combine them. Because as of now, your turns are like um 24 um I guess 18 to 24 depending on the number of players and I think it may go up to six. Of course, the more copies of the game you have, the more players can play. Um, right. But it, it it is one of those things that I definitely don't want this game to be over 30 minutes. So we're talking about maybe a minute uh, turn because everybody's playing simultaneously. Uh, so so 
that's kind of the 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 game here. And I brought it forward because it's one that I've had for a long time. I've been working on, and yesterday I pulled the plug in because it's one of those things that making these things is expensive, right? So I go to Etsy, right, and I I put that order, and it was a hundred and five dollars. Whoa, for uh, one prototype. To, um, yes. And, and the thing is, of course, you, you think, okay, then is that going to be something that publishers would, would uh, pay for? But ultimately, when you're just making one prototype, this is where the, the economy of scale is really important because this is definitely the type of tiles that you can easily do, um, like Blockus, right? Uh-huh. Uh, Blockus tiles could, use, could work the same way. And, you know, Blockus is a $15 game. Um, it's, it's just that, uh, of course, making the prototype was kind of the, the, the hard thing because it's going to be expensive. But I didn't want to push that button until I knew I had something that I would want to try out for sure because it's something very expensive to prototype. You and your crazy expensive prototypes. So I guess I'm curious, like, yeah, I mean, if somebody can hand make them on Etsy, like, I just it's crazy that they the publishers can't find a place to make the tiles like well the bulk. the problem wasn't the tiles as as they are now is as they were because obviously you're not seeing it and and the builders aren't seeing it either but the original tile had all three colors on one tile so they were glued together so i glued the colors together to make one shape and the shape was um, was a uh, was uh, the same shape for ev- for every. I one. I get it now. So we're yeah. it, so so something to make that uh, production wise, the colors would bleed into each other, so you wouldn't have that that break in the colors. Right. Um, so I had to work instead of working with the shape, I work with the with the color. So people are calling colors instead of calling shapes. Um, and which is still three options, but when people are playing, since it's the same shape for everybody, it's just two, uh, I guess, four possible shapes that they can do, and they're fairly easy to visualize. Right. Yeah. So, so that's a uh, suminagashi. I mean, that's if, if anybody sounds has sounds amazing. Feedback on it. Um. Again, it's one that I haven't really shared much not even on twitter but uh it it is one that i think at this point i'm definitely i'm definitely gonna be uh pitching it uh more and and hopefully i can get it to the right publisher again finding that right publisher but i think it's a really good one yeah man i like that's a game i would love to give you more feedback on like i would love to give you feedback on that but i don't i don't know like (laughs) I don't know how to fix that. And like, I, gosh, I, I want to play this game. I really wish we could see this game. Um, cause it just sounds and so interesting because I think, I think I can have, I, I can actually make it on tabletop simulator because you can have tiles and change the transparency on the tiles. So I think I can probably make it work on tabletop simulator. I haven't, I guess I didn't even think about that. That's a good point. Well, too late. <laughs> That's how you trick the publishers. You just show them on Tabletop Simulator, get them to buy it, and then you're like, "Sorry, no takebacks. <laughs> you bought it." <laughs> no, no. I mean, that's I, like I said before. I had a game that was signed, and 
and they they just gave it back to me. Right. Of course, they they gave me an advance on it, and you still keep that. But it's that that's probably I think that's probably one of the worst feelings. Yeah, I could definitely sure. say that even even having something a negative game coming out, it's really having that public that game that has been signed and then returned. Yep, been there. Sucks big time. Yeah, but uh, yeah, if. Uh, see builders jason doesn't have any feedback and then he keeps asking for my feedback because well, so. you bring me these <laughs> games like how am i supposed to give feedback on these ridiculous games you know <laughs> i'm like hey i'm trying to make well, this simple thing and you're like oh i would do this crazy thing and then of course you don't tell me how to do it you just say i would do this crazy thing and then you just walk <laughs> away so <laughs> well, what do you want from i'm just me, saying man? you break my brain for like two weeks with your feedback so um Anyways, but you figure it out. You figure it out, yes. and you and Jonathan. Yeah, Jonathan helped me so. figure it out because I would still be just looking at the same thing, being like, "How do I make this work?" Because the way I was trying to make it work, like for this one game we worked on, I was like, "Okay, here's how I'm gonna do it," and like I like I need somebody to figure out how to help me do this, and I showed it to him, and I said, "This is what I'm trying to do," and this is all these things, and he was like, "No, that's too complicated. Here's a simple way to do the exact thing you're trying to do," and I was like. Oh yeah, that's real simple. You're right. <laughs> so, um, sometimes you just need a different, different set of eyes to look at it. Um, but yeah, but no, it sounds very interesting and, uh, I hope someday to get to try it. Um, you know, that game, Thank that you. game done well, that game could be a contender for your 2020, 25 <laughs> award, of the Spiel de Jar. I'm just, just Whoa. suggesting, just <laughs> suggesting, you know, so anyways. Yeah, yeah, we'll see, we'll see. It's documented it is, here. It is. So, so. yes. Uh, all right. Well, hey, thanks for thanks for hanging out again tonight. It was a good time. Um, and to the builders, thanks for listening. Oh, before oh, you, no, before before I do before yes. before one last thing, one, one last one thing. More, like, I mentioned it earlier on the thing. podcast. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, Holy Festival of Colors is going to be available this week as it's, as it's released. Um, and it's from Floodgate Games. It is gonna be thirty nine ninety nine. It is a three D area control game, uh, but it uses three boards that are stacked ver vertically, and it uses transparent boards that are that are um, molded from uh, what are uh, um, trays? Um, what are they called? Um, shoot. Uh, game trays. Game trays did the the boards for this game. So they usually do inserts, uh, but they do molded plastic. So they did the transparent boards for this game. And you're essentially trying to spread as much color as you can throughout the Festival of Colors. And of course, if colors aren't supported in higher levels, they fall down the lower levels. And that verticality helps you see through that. And hopefully it's going to be available on your friendly local game store. And I think the publisher told me some time ago that may be available in Barnes and Noble. Nice. Um, so we'll, we'll see with, with that one, but I'm, I'm definitely very excited with that one as well. I got my designer copies and I've played it already and Ooh, it's definitely, I, I'm proud of this one. I'm proud of all my games, but the, the newest one I'm proud of was uh, the most so far, right? Yeah. <laughs> because that's kind of always going to be the case. I can't, I can't wait to uh, pick up a copy. So awesome. Okay. Well, builders be on the lookout for that next week. Uh, yeah. So, all right, here we go. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can go to buildinggamepodcast.com. You can call us at 770-TELL-BTG, email us at 
building the game podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at podcast BTG at J E Slingerland and at who Nasaru. Uh, you can also uh, find us yes. on Facebook if you really want to. And that discord channel, go to that discord channel. It's going to be great. Uh, find it on our website until next time. Good night. Buenas noches. Building the game with Jason and friends. With Jason and friends. Building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. With Jason and friends. Dial 770 Hotel BTG. Please don't use the email. <laughs>